Welcome to the official Jets podcast draft countdown series presented by Verizon. EA, Anthony Beck, myself wrapping up our mock draft here in today's podcast. And then also Olivia Landis going to join for some closing thoughts one day before the 2020 NFL draft. And let me just recap the mock draft picks one through 10 on the prior episode. We had Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons, Tristan Wirfs to the Giants, Tua to the Dolphins, Justin Herbert to the Chargers. Jerry Judy to the Panthers, Jeff Akuta the to the Cardinals, Derek Brown to the Jaguars, Andrew Thomas to the Browns, which leaves the New York Jets with the 11th pick with their option of Mackay Becton, Jedrick Will, CeeDee Lamb, the most popular names in the mock draft circuit, and then, of course, any other player that's still on the board. And, A.B., let's start with you. If you're Joe Douglas, who is the newest member of the green and white. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of talk. I think the conversation now, we, we've talked about uh, some really good tackles on the board and some extremely elite wide receivers that are left. There's a clear path to where this team and the success starts. And you look at the past where Joe's been uh, and, and the teams with the Ravens, Eagles, the places where uh, they've been able to kind of grow the most has been at their offensive line position. You can never have enough of these guys. Guys, we've seen it last couple of years, how quickly, if an offensive lineman goes down, how bad it can get for your team up front. We saw all kinds of varieties last year with the Jets. So without further ado, with the 11th pick of the 2020 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Makai Becton, Louisville, tackle. Okay, now I want to say this. I've told you uh, many times that I was huge on Tristan Wirfs. I, I thought he's the best player. As I go back and watched more of Beckton, you know, at six foot six, six foot seven, however they got him at 360 pounds, this guy is unbelievable. The space he takes up, the finish and nastiness that he has, the swift movement in his feet. These are things and combinations that are not supposed to be true for a guy this size, for a guy this tall and this long. Uh, He's got extreme width in in his reach, and and he's really best at his one-on-one work, whether it's pass protection or rush uh, run blocking. And I think the difference here, guys, with this guy is he's so massive that he is really going to fill some space not just at the tackle position, but sliding down. You can be a little more uh, versatile because of his size up front, and that's going to help, I think, big time, not only for uh, for Bell in running the football, but you know, clearly for Sam Darnold, getting the time that he needs. You've loaded up. You have depth. You've now been able to get a massive tackle that uh, that can really be a guy that can play with the Jets for a decade, hopefully. I uh, have a close relationship with several coaches at Louisville, I told him, I said, look, I need an honest assessment about Beckton. I don't want the the popular kind of, uh, you know, summary that you've been reading. I, I want to know about this kid. Is he a good kid? Is he hang around bad people? Does he not work hard? Is he, is he suck in the weight room? That's exactly what I didn't hear about this guy uh, from, from people that I trust. Uh, they said, listen, man, he's a difference maker, and I believe him. It shows up on film, and it shows up a lot, and there's a lot of good stuff on him. I think it's going to be a fun pick if – 
And when the the Jets come into that spot, they get a position to pick the tackle. I think it's going to be the spot to go. I think you're doing backflips if this is a scenario for the Jets. Bottom line, nobody's going to be at one Jets drive, but uh, virtually everybody will be doing backflips because <laughs> I don't think you could go wrong with either Becton or Wills. And I know Becton was your pick, Anthony. I think Wills is going to be a stud, probably a right tackle because that's what he's been uh, since high school. I say, why mess with that? Why even flip him to the left side? I think he's going to be a stud player for potentially 10 years. CD Lamb is appealing, no Mm -hmm. doubt about that, especially what he can do after the catch. He doesn't have the raw speed of a rugs, and he's not the route runner that Judy is, but man. He is dynamic, and it's so enticing to think of pairing C.D. Lamb up with Sam Darnold. Um, So that's where my mind is right now. I've narrowed it down to three guys, and I'm trying to talk my way through it. With the 11th selection in the 2020 NFL Draft, the New York Jets Select Makai Becton tackle out of Louisville. <laughs> well done. Well done. Nice. Listen, fellas, 364 pounds. And I know you're not supposed to fall in love with guys just because of the way they talk to the media. Mm. But when he was in Indianapolis, Becton, he's got a nasty edge. And he talked about New York and he, the griminess of New York. And I just think he'd be a perfect fit here. Just go and punch up YouTube and look at some of his donkey videos over the years. He's got great feet. I think he's got the highest ceiling of any offensive lineman in this draft. I have a 22-year-old quarterback here in Sam Darnold. I said I'm going to protect him. This guy has unlimited potential. I love it. I think he's just coming into his own. Uh, With that being said, I don't think you could go wrong with Wills or Lamb, but the pick here is Becton. Given the landscape of our mock draft, I think to all of our points, very, very happy if you're a Jets fan, but let me ask you this. How realistic do you think that this is come April 23rd, probably about 9 p.m. when the Jets are on the clock or whatever time it is that both Makai Becton and Jedrick Wills are on the board? Well, you know, we we talked about it Um you know, Carolina could go offensive tackle, which we did not say that they would do. They Maybe were going Jackson, to Jacksonville. Jacksonville as well. So that that's where it gets tricky. Okay. Imagine if those four guys, okay, are are gone. Uh, now what? They'll have that ready. They'll have that plan. For my pick, I can tell you right now that CeeDee Lamb is not an option for me, given the two tackles on the board and Becton and Jedrick Wills, and then you can get a good receiver at 48. That could be a day one guy. And you think about the recent success of round two guys, even just last year with the Ole Miss cats and DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. And Michael Thomas was a second round pick for the saints. So I'm between Makai Becton and Jedrick Wills. And honestly, I'm, I'm pretty torn for a, a number of different reasons, but without further ado, With the 11th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Makai Becton, tackle Louisville. And I think it comes down to this for me. And I didn't want to be that guy to make it that we're all uniform here. So I'm going to make a case for Wills right after I say this. 
But I think what both of you said, a guy of that size should not be able to move the way that he moves. And what EA said, he has, it seems like he has unlimited potential. And when you think about Joe Douglas's past, not only being an alignment, but where he grew up per se in the NFL, you think about a guy like Jonathan Ogden for the Baltimore Ravens. And I think maybe Mekhi Becton could be that guy for the New York Jets, or at least envision him to become that guy. But really quickly about Jedrick Wills, for him to dominate in the SEC and debatably the best conference in in college football and do it for so long. I mean, 39 games, one sack, very good in the run, and protecting to his blind side. He, he would be a surefire guy. And I know that a lot of people will say, well, right tackle at 11, maybe too rich. Well, how about the Philadelphia Eagles in 2013 when they selected Lane Johnson with the fourth overall pick? Or you think about Jack Conklin in free agency, number eight overall pick, right tackle for the Tennessee Titans, probably playing right tackle for the Browns. And then you think about a guy in 2018, Mike McGlinchey started right tackle for the 49ers. And the 49ers obviously represented the NFC in the Super Bowl. So if the Jets do, in fact, in this situation, go with Jedrick Wills, I don't think that that's a bad pick at all. I think it actually it's a very good pick. Anthony, just had one final question here. Yep. How, how important are days two and three for Joe Douglas? Give me and Green yeah. a couple positions where he's really got to solidify that group for the Jets here in 2020 and this weekend. No doubt. So you're right. GMs will clearly be known for the top guy they take but if you can get multiple guys on your draft board to come in not only be contributors but be starters and be long-term players that's where you make your money because you can't just lean on your first round picks every year and then that's it receiver is going to be the area okay where the second round pick of the jets look and you know who could be in those those guys who who could fall in that where he can come in be a, a top tier receiver, still bring you what you want at that first round level and uh, make big plays. I'm just going to give you two names, LaVisca Chenault. Okay. This guy last year was banged up, but he played through a lot of injuries. He's tough as nails. Everybody was talking about this guy, 2018, when he jumped on the map, another guy is Denzel Mims out of Baylor, long, big, strong, physical, extreme speed, and can win in the tight red zone, 10, 15 yards uncoverable slants fades he did it better than anybody in college football and he was usually utilized that way and he can catch a a slant at the 20 and take it 80 yards as i look into the third round you get those two picks third round is this kind of a spot you look at cornerback two guys to keep an eye on bryce hall from virginia really loved this guy okay he was an all-american last year got nicked up a little bit okay and again you don't want to take up injured players but again you do your homework you find out what it was if they're healed they're good this guy was you know led the uh, the nation in pass breakups in 2018 very intelligent very smart and can play variety of ways at the cornerback position another guy's aj green out of oklahoma state he's another guy a lockup corner can get in your face uh can can play the multiple uh types of uh looks that you want to have on defense at the cornerback position but he's able to kind of lock you up one-on-one which is going to be key obviously guys when we're talking about these positions as you get later in the draft as i categorize positions that fourth round pick can become important and what exactly do you want in that pick and let's just say hypothetically you get the tackle you get a receiver i think you have an opportunity to get a special player what is a special player a slash kind of guy right a guy that can play 
receiver, running back, do multiple things on your offense. You know, give your uh, coordinator, in this case, Coach Gase, an opportunity to be flexible with multiple players that can also fill in in times of need. Uh, two guys that that come to mind in this area, fourth round, uh, Antonio Gibson, who was labeled as a running back out of Memphis. He's a receiver running back guy. Just really tough, strong, good speed, made a lot of breakout plays, huge yak after the catch. Another kind of wild card player, Alin Bowden out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just a very versatile player, man. He, he's a little rough around the edges, okay? He's got to get a little more mature. But when you talk about skill level, think about like a Percy Harvin kind of guy, just multiple. He's a 1,000-yard receiver two years ago. They forced him to play quarterback this year at Kentucky, and he was you know, the leading rusher in the, in the conference with a team that they knew he was going to do something with the football every single time, and they still couldn't stop him in the SEC. Of course, going late, you want to enhance running back. A.J. Dillon, a pounder from B.C., maybe in the fifth round, uh, a guy that, you know, you can give the ball to, get those tough yardages. It'll be very interesting to see how the virtual draft, obviously, not only unfolds with the player selections, but how it looks, of course, with Roger Goodell announcing the picks from his basement. And, Anthony, we can't thank you enough for going through our mock drafts and honestly crossing my fingers that our mock draft comes to fruition here because I think Jets fans would be pretty happy. I think the one thing we've learned over the years, guys, no matter how many mock drafts we've seen and players that people think they're going to pick, it never, ever falls out that way. And and there are some crazy picks sometimes and you never know who's going to fall in your lap. So uh, I think, you know, being at 11, it's a good spot for the Jets. They're going to have a variety of options. And I think the fans are going to be pretty pleased with that selection. Now joined by Olivia Landis, who's back in her home state of Colorado. And, you know, the draft really right around the corner and really, really right around the corner, meaning tomorrow. (laughs) And I I just kind of wanted to take the time to take a second and reflect on how the three of us have been covering the draft. Obviously it's been a weird pre-draft process, but also a weird time to cover the NFL. So to both of you, what have you kind of taken away from this whole entire experience of remote life? Well, for me personally, It's been very, very different to say the least, because I started out in my apartment in Jersey, which is a one bedroom apartment that I share with my great Dane dog. So, um, kind of lonely, honestly, at first, just because we spent four weeks pretty much in quarantine out here in Colorado, it's been a little bit better. I've been around family, but it's definitely, there've been challenges for sure to covering this remotely just because you know, everybody has to figure out certain technology that works. But, you know, for the most part, I feel like on my end, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, I would echo those sentiments. I can't believe uh, everything that Liv has been through. She traveled back to her native Colorado 26 hours without stopping because uh, folks, and rightfully so, they're trying to take care of people on the front lines. And one of the hotels, I believe, the backstory there was that – the hotel that you had actually made a reservation at um, said, "Hey, listen, I'm sorry, but we have to we have to use these rooms for medical personnel, right?" So you actually not only did you go home to Colorado, it's not like you got in a plane and was was there in a couple hours. You even took your time getting across the country. You did it in one day plus, in two hours. Yeah, it was probably. 
I've never done that before. It's one of the craziest things I've ever done. Honestly, I probably will not do it again. But yeah, like you said, my mother and I started driving from Jersey. We drove 17 hours in one day and then had reserved a hotel in Missouri because it's halfway. And when we got there, they were like, yeah, actually we're, which, you know, under, I understand now, but they're like, we're only accepting medical personnel, essential staff. So I just looked at my mom. I was like, you know what? Let's just go. Let's just drive all the way through. We have 11 hours left. We've already done 17. Like, let's crank the music. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and listen, I think when we started this six, seven weeks ago, we just wanted to provide content for everybody out there in Jets Nation and also NFL fans who are looking for a diversion or an outlet because the passion is still there for football. But for me early on, it was difficult, to be honest with you, because I didn't know how to come across with enthusiasm, with passion, or more of a somber tone because what was happening not only throughout the nation but throughout the world. For me and for both of you, and it's been – hey, how can we provide content for people that they want to see and hear when we first got home was like, how can we provide content now? And the first thing we thought of was, let's get on the horn. Let's start doing podcasts, Jets-related podcasts, but also looking forward to the draft as well. I think our fans and I think NFL fans, very receptive far as the content has been concerned now we have the draft tomorrow night and i think the weekend is going to be exciting and unprecedented yeah i think that actually given the odd times to say the least i think at least in my time here we've probably covered the draft better than any prior year, which is kind of ironic because we've all been at home and you would think that in the office you'd have more resources. Well, the interviews that Liv has done, the interviews that EA and I have done together and separate, it just feels like we've really covered this draft top to bottom. We've left no stone unturned and I'm really excited for the draft. And I think given the lack of sports out there right now, everybody seems a little more so in tune with the draft and Every year, if you're a Jets fan, if you're a football fan, this is a time of year that injects some life into your team. Frankly, I'm ready to get this show rolling. Feels like we've been talking about this for a while now. So I'm very excited to see what actually happens tomorrow night and throughout the weekend. Liv, you can tell the folks about this. We were all set to send you to Las Vegas. Yeah, I think I'm... I'm honestly still just trying to absorb the fact that everybody's going to be covering the draft from home. Like Ethan said, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how this unfolds, but it's definitely going to be different for me this year. Like you said, because the past two years, I've physically been at the locations of the draft, which was Dallas two years ago and then Nashville last year. So I, I don't know. I don't know what this is going to look like. I mean, we have we have our plan. You know, we have our plan on how we're going to execute it, but nobody's ever done this before. The league hasn't. Nobody, players, nobody. So I'm super eager to see how this turns out, but it's definitely going to be different doing it from my mother's home in Colorado as opposed to being on site. As we close out the official Jets podcast, Draft Countdown Series presented by Verizon here, the day before the draft, I just want to know, who do you guys think the pick is going to be at 11? 
That's all I want to know. Or you can alter and say what you think a successful draft would be overall, a draft weekend. feel like we've heard so much from the external guys, like I said earlier. I just kind of want to give our predictions here, not that they mean anything because they really don't. I would say if I were to give my personal opinion on which direction they may go in the first round, you know, in my in my eyes, I feel like it, it would have to be either a tackle or a receiver. But to answer the other part of that question where you said, how will this just be an overall successful draft for Joe Douglas? I think he just needs to stick to his plan. He's been talking about his plan of bringing in offensive linemen and building and protecting Sam Darnold. He even said that when he spoke to the media a few a couple of weeks ago when he said, I told Sam Darnold's parents that I was going to get him the protection that he needed. Talking to so many of these NFL analysts around the league, a lot of analysts have full 100% confidence in Joe Douglas and his plan and what he's going to execute for this team and the holes he's going to fill. Everyone's going to have different views on how he should approach it, but I think he is going to make it a success by just sticking to the plan he's had all along. She's right. Uh, Every external analyst you talk to, nobody... On the air or off the air, and I will say this, has once questioned, wow, I don't know if you had the right guy here. He is universally respected in the NFL. That does not mean, oh, he's definitely going to win a championship within two years or the Jets are going to the playoffs next year. But as what we saw in free agency was, to Liv's point, is that he has a plan. He's going to stick to the plan. He is not going to be forced into a move because the Jets have a potential need here or they have to fill this. Or, wow, if you don't take this guy, this is the reaction on the outside. Joe does not play that. That is not part of his game. He has three championships. He's trusts his people around him. He's got an all-star staff. So I just think this weekend, you're a Jets fan, buckle up. You know, he's got eight picks right now. Don't be surprised if there are moves because, listen, when you're talking about a seven-round draft, typically you're going to see some trades, okay? That doesn't mean there's going to be a trade in the first round. I'm not saying that. Watch him maneuver and navigate. Also, don't get caught up in that initial grade following the draft because you have to give drafts two to three years down the line to really understand what you got out of them. With that being said, Greens, you're going to have our last words here. You do have to get where the Jets are at after he addressed depth and need and free agency. You got to get, let's say, on on the safe side, probably about three starters. Guys are going to line up in 2020, and they're going to be valuable contributors for you. Then down the line, you're going to, Try to find guys that are going to help you, special teams, reserve roles, and ultimately, hopefully, they can develop into starters. And then you take your flyers late, and hopefully you get some undrafted free agents in here, one or two, make your team, and things like that. In terms of what makes a successful draft for the Jets, I think we'll find out three or four years down the road. But in terms of grading stuff, like in the immediate I think to what we all have been saying, it, you know, you go to need, you go to best player available and you you find the proper balance and you add to your team. And 
to Liv's point, I think it's been popular since the end of the regular season. And I think for a good reason, I think tackle receiver. And I think it'll be interesting to see who's on the board at each position at 11, especially when you factor in the depth of this wide receiver class in rounds two through four. And I think this is really where you start to see Joe Douglas create the roster to where he wants it to be. And he's starting to create that best culture in sports and the roster that he wants to have. And I think that to your point, EA, sit back. Let's see what happens when Joe Douglas goes to work. April 23rd, Thursday night, 8 p.m., the virtual draft begins. Hopefully, the one and only virtual draft. I've loved these draft countdown podcast series presented by Verizon all throughout leading up to the draft. And I'm excited to continue on afterwards. Uh, that check was- us out tomorrow night too, Greens and Liv. I just want to give uh, a little uh, promotion here about the virtual draft party for uh, Jets fans. Uh, make sure you, you, you take a look at that. April 23rd, Thursday night, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. The virtual draft commences Find out who Joe Douglas and the Jets will add to this roster moving forward. And that was the final pre-draft edition of the Draft Countdown series presented by Verizon. And of course, EA, Olivia, and I will be back after the draft. So everyone enjoy the draft. And to both of you, enjoy your virtual drafts. And we'll talk throughout the weekend. Mm -hmm.